0: to the book of James chapter 5. If you're visiting with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, please know that as a church we are walking through the book of James verse by verse. Today in God's providence we are in the fifth chapter. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Again, James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. If you're able, I invite you to stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. now the written word of the living God. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire." You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Pray with me, please. God, as we approach your word today, as we approach a very bold and gripping text today, I pray, God, that our ears and our hearts and minds would be open to receiving your word. Holy Spirit, remove any distraction or obstacle from our hearts and our minds today. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit take your word and implant it into our hearts and continue to mold and shape our lives with it. Lord, we, do, we desire um, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ today. We desire to see truth from your word today. Lord, we desire to see Jesus today from your word. Uh, God, if there's anyone here who maybe they have come today and they don't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that they would hear the good news of your love and your gospel today, that they would come to know him. It is believers, we desire to worship you through the preaching of your word, mold us and shape us in your image. In Christ's name we pray these things and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. the domino effect. Do you know what I mean when I say the domino effect? We'll put a slide on the screen. It's something that should be familiar to all of us. What we mean by the domino effect is that when one thing happens, that causes many other things to happen. You've seen maybe some of the videos on TV and ESPN. People set up, not hundreds, but thousands of dominoes all over the floor. And They just take one little finger and tap the first one and it sets off a chain reaction that one hits the other, hits the other and Before you know it, thousands and thousands of dominoes are falling just because of one single push to a single domino at the very beginning. It's quite mesmerizing. I love to watch those videos of the domino effect. So we understand the domino effect to be a chain reaction. That results in a cumulative effect produced when one event sets off a chain of similar events. Friends, I want you to know that today in this text, as we enter into James chapter 5, we're going to see the domino effect. And we're going to see it played out in the lives of the rich and the wealthy recipients of James's. Letter. Because today, James is talking about those who have used their riches and their wealth improperly. In fact, they've completely taken advantage of other people with their riches, with their wealth. And because of that, the result is a domino effect of sin. Sins that have fallen in their Lives And today, James hits that head-on. Now, before we go any further, let me be very clear about something. I believe that riches can be a great blessing from the Lord. Even the Proverbs teach us that the blessing of the Lord makes rich. Abraham, the father of the faithful, was a very rich and wealthy man. The problem, friends, is that more times than not, when sinful man gets his hands... On riches. His love for God and his love for other people are set aside for his love for money. And we remember what Paul told Timothy, the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And today this text just it teaches us just how evil the love of money can be in. Our lives today friends we're going to see the dominoes fall we're going to learn that sin leads to other sins that sin breeds sin sin breeds sin and in today's text we're going to see the domino effect on full display today we're going to talk about four specific dominoes or sins that one leading to the other. If you have your bulletin, I invite you to look on the back of your bulletin as we go through this sermon. Lord willing, that'll be a help and a guide. The four sins or the four dominoes that fall today in this text are greed, theft, selfish indulgence, and then finally, murder. But we'll look now at that first domino, the domino. Look with me once again at the text, verse 3, it's the end of the verse. The Bible says, you have laid up treasure in the last days. And friends, I want you to know the word picture behind that phrase laid up means hoarding. You are hoarding treasure in the last days. Friends, as we talk about greed, let's define it we read the scripture, the Bible teaches us that greed is an intense, selfish desire for something, primarily power and money. It could be other things, but those are two primary things that people are greedy for, is power and money. And greed is everywhere in the Bible. Hunter, a moment ago, read the text from 1 Kings 21, it talks, as we as we as he explained, not only about greed, but all four of these sins today. But as we talk about greed, let's focus on that story and what it said about greed. The Bible says that Naboth had a vineyard, and it was right beside of King Ahab's palace. Well, Ahab looked at that vineyard, and he thought about it, and he said, I would like to have that vineyard. I'm going to go talk to Naboth, and I'm going to see if I can buy his vineyard or trade something for his vineyard. And he had that conversation with Naboth. And Naboth thought about it, and he decided, you know what, I'm not ready to get rid of this vineyard right now. This was a gift from my father. So I appreciate maybe the the, the offer, but it's not something that I want to do right now. Well, the Bible says that Naboth's refusal, it, it vexed King Ahab. To the point that he couldn't even eat. And when Jezebel saw her husband Ahab not eating, what's, what's wrong? Why are, you not, why are you not eating? She or Rather, he told his wife the story. And what happened? Her greedy heart started to plot against Naboth. In fact, Jezebel's greed was so extreme, she had others, two men, falsely accuse Naboth of cursing God and the king to the point that they took Naboth outside and picked up rocks and stoned him and murdered him on that very day. But as soon as Jezebel told Ahab that Naboth was dead, what happened? He immediately went to take possession of that vineyard. Friends, greed was in Jezebel's heart. It was in Ahab's heart that day. And greed led them to falsely accuse Naboth to steal from him. It led them to even murder him so they could selfishly indulge in his vineyard. greed doesn't just belong to the Old Testament. There's examples in the New. When you think about greed in the New Testament, we can't help but think about Judas. The Bible says he loved to help himself to the money bags. And one day Judas went to the chief priest and he said, what will you give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? You see, Judas was willing to deliver Jesus over to them, but he wasn't going to do it for free. Judas wanted something in return. And as soon as he had 30 pieces of silver, from that moment on, Judas went on to betray King Jesus. But friends, not only does greed grab the heart of Jezebel and Ahab, not only does it grab the heart of Judas in this text. Today, James is telling us it's grabbing the hearts of those who are rich and those who are wealthy. And the Bible says to us today that they are amass, they're they're amassing, they're hoarding treasures for themselves. See, that's the word picture. It's not that they were just saving money for a difficult time. They were hoarding this this mass of wealth, and they had no thought of God. They had no thought of other people. You could say, as Jesus said in Luke 12, they were the ones who laid up treasure for themselves and were not rich towards God at all. But there's something else I want you to see. It's in verse 4. Let's reread verse 4. Behold... The wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Friends, the money that these rich landowners are hoarding is not even their money, it belonged to other people. And these rich and wealthy landowners, they were holding it back. They were keeping it. They were not paying their employees. And friends, this is where we see the next domino fall. Because according to this verse, greed leads to what? Theft. It leads to theft. Look again at verse 4. The wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept backed by Fraud. Obviously from this text we learn that those who were rich, they owned the land. And like any landowner, they would need their fields cultivated and harvested. So what did they do? They, They did what any of us would do. They hired laborers. Many of these folks were day laborers. And what these folks would do is they would come and cut the grain. They would bundle it. They would collect it. They would do their job. But this text says that those landowners, the rich and wealthy, took full advantage of them. Yes, they allowed them to work, but they didn't pay them. And if they did pay them, payment wasn't on time or it wasn't the amount that was agreed upon. And they were doing this on purpose. They were exploiting the poor, and this exploitation was nothing short of theft. They were keeping it back. They were not paying what they should. They were stealing from these field workers. And could you imagine what it would be like to be a member of the family of the field worker? You're putting in your labor. You're putting in your time. But you're not getting paid. And the way you live your life and buying things and doing this, it's not possible Because you're not getting paid. And as I mentioned, many of these folks were day laborers. That means they got paid at the end of every day. And they they were literally living day to day. So if they didn't get paid on that particular day, it was almost impossible for them to live that particular day. Their bosses were exploiting them, taking advantage of them. But I want you to hear what James says to these workers, these ones in the field he takes us directly there it's the end of verse 4 and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts the Bible says what that means is that God is hearing their prayers even though they're being exploited by their rich bosses their prayers reached the ears of the Lord of hosts the God of armies and James tells the rich. And this is a part that I want to make sure you see. James tells those rich landowners who are not paying their employees, he tells them that misery and judgment is getting ready to come upon them. Look at verse 1. What does he tell them to do in verse 1? Weep. Howl. For the miseries that are coming you, Just because you're a rich landowner, you need to know that you are standing under the judgment of a holy and righteous God who will always make everything right. It would be better for you right now to start weeping and howling because you cannot escape the righteous judgment that is to come. And he reminds them in verses 2 and 3 that they're storing up their treasures on earth. And they're not storing up treasure in heaven. He says right now, the things that you're interested in, they're going to rot. They're going to be moth-eaten and corroded. Those are the words of verses 2 and 3. And we can't help but think about the words of Jesus, can we? In Matthew six twenty, when he talks about treasures, laying up your treasures, Jesus says, but lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys And where thieves can't break in and steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that's where it is, church. And that's the question for all of us. Where's our hearts? Because James is going right to the heart here. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's review these two dominoes. Is greed in our hearts? That greed that Ahab and Jezebel had towards Naboth, is that in our hearts? Are we stealing from day laborers that we encounter in our own lives? Do we only lay our treasure here on earth and not lay any treasure in heaven? And if that's the case, do we hear... The warning of judgment that James is preaching here in the first chapter of weeping and howling and mourning the judgment that is to come. Because James in no few words is promising that God's judgment will fall. That hell is one day waiting waiting on those people. But friends, what I love about James is that James is actually bold enough to stand up and tell these people the truth. He's bold enough to give them exactly what they need to hear and know about God. Because obviously biblical truth was not on their minds. And James says, this needs to be on your mind. Because the dominoes keep falling. See, your greed has led to theft... And now your theft is leading to, number three, selfish indulgence. You see it in the text. Look at verse 5. Selfish indulgence. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in selfish indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. What are we talking about, friends? We're talking about extravagant living at the expense of other people. No thought of God, no thought of others, simply do for yourself. And it's pretty clear why these rich were able to do that. They were using money that didn't belong to them, it belonged to the, the day laborer, the worker in the field. But I want you to see in this verse there's an illustration, a picture, an image. In this verse that I don't want you to miss. You read in the text, you've been, you have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. Fattened your hearts. This, the the image, the word picture behind this phrase is that of a domestic animal that has been raised on the farm, like a lamb or a cow. And the farmer, let's just take the lamb, the farmer allows that. That lamb to eat and to graze and to be well fed. Eat all you want. Go out into the field. Relax. Don't worry about anything. Just go eat. Just have a good time. It's a luxury for you to go and do this for the lamb. But what does the lamb not know? What's coming next? Because after the lamb eats and eats and eats and and hoards and gathers all this food, that lamb is to be led where? To the slaughter. Such is the rich man in this text, James says, the rich man whose greed led to theft, whose theft led to selfish indulgence. He says it this way, just as the lamb is being fattened for the slaughter. These greedy thieves who live a selfish, indulgent life are in a sense being fattened for the judgment of God to fall upon them. Indeed, they are being fattened for the slaughter. John MacArthur describes these people this way. He says they're blind to heaven. And they're deaf to the warnings of hell. They're insensitive to the impending day of slaughter and judgment. The unrepentant, selfish, indulgent hoarders stumble blindly to their doom. And unless they repent, James warns, they will experience eternal destruction. And friends, I wish I could tell you that it stops right there. And that, that, you know, that's enough. But the Bible keeps going. It's not over. Because greed leads to theft. Theft leads to selfish indulgence or ambition. And the next domino to fall is murder. Look at the text. Verse 6. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Friends, as we look at the whole context of the book of James, let's remember this is not the first time that James has mentioned um, the exploitation of the poor by the rich in his book. He talked about it in, ver- in chapter 2. If you remember that, chapter 2 we learned that the rich were oppressing the poor by dragging them into court. But see, now it's worse. Because it's not just dragging them into court, now it's It's murder. And listen, there's commentators who have debated, is is this literal physical murder or is this just a, a symbol of murder? Well, let's talk about those two individually. If it's literal murder, then what we see is that many of these landowners have used the court system to unjustly put people to death. People who were no threat to the rich. But if it's figurative or symbolic, the rich have so altered the lives of these workers, that destruction and calamity has come upon their families and they experience indeed a death of their livelihood. Their life is completely altered. Either way, it's a terrible, terrible result of sinful actions. Friends, how does a text like this affect you and me? What can we take away from it? What are questions that are demanded of us sitting in these seats today? The first thing I want you to know, friends, is that texts like these should open our eyes to the heinous effects of sin. Let us always remember sin breeds sin. It didn't just stop at greed, but it led to theft. It led to indulgence. It led to murder. There is a domino effect going on here. Do you see the chain? Do you see the reactions? And maybe the question is this, has this domino effect of sin or maybe another domino effect of sin come into your life, come into my life? Let's remember what happened with Jezebel. Let's remember how that greed led her to act, to steal, to indulge, to murder Naboth, to take that vineyard. They had to have it. Friends, it's been well said for many years by many pastors. Sin's going to take you farther than you want to go. Sin's going to keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin's going to cost you more than you ever thought you'd pay. At first, greed might seem harmless. But before we know it, greed leads to all these dominoes that falls in our lives. So, Here's the question. How do we stop this domino effect? And this is the last slide we'll put on the screen. Stopping the domino effect. For believers, it causes us to listen to the Word of God, to know the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to die to self, to live to righteousness, to not walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. Friends, if you're here today, And God has blessed you with riches as he did Abraham. This text should remind you to not ever let your love for God and your love for other people be replaced with a love for money. Let the words of Jesus penetrate your heart. Lay up your treasure in heaven because where your heart is, That's where you find your love of God. That's where your treasure will be also. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Today, if you're here and you're a business owner, if you're a business owner, if you're the boss, if you're the manager, if you're the one cutting the checks, texts like these should remind you to to take care of your employees. To do right by the people that work for you. So ask these questions. Are are you holding back anything that actually belongs to other people? Are you hoarding up something for yourself? Because there might be someone under your care that's a day laborer. That they need that, that day. Don't steal from them. Act with integrity, honesty. Care for your employees. Simply love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're here today and you're the employee, you've been exploited by your boss. The scriptures teach you today that God hears your prayers. Verse 4 says, your prayers have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. By the way, that title, Lord of hosts, it's a military title. It's saying it's reached the guy who's in charge of the greatest military you could ever imagine. The Lord of hosts, the God of armies. That's who hears you and God will do right. Even if it has to take place on the day of judgment. And if you are here today and you're living extravagantly. Because you've taken that money from your employees. Hear the warning. Hear the trumpet of verse one blow in your ear. Howl and weep. Because destruction is coming upon you. But today. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Repent. Make it right. Because Christ has paid the price for you. Friends, at the very end here, I want to bring in what the, the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us for situations like this. I want you to hear 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. As you think about riches, as you think about those who are poor, hear this verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. You see, instead of being greedy, Christ gave. Instead of stealing from us, he sacrificed his own life. Instead of selfish indulgence, the Bible says he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. And friends, instead of murdering us, Christ was murdered for us so that he who was rich became poor and for his sake you and I might become rich. Do you see what Jesus has done for you with his riches, with his wealth? He used every bit of it to love, and to serve us. Friends, let us never forget that Jesus, who is fully God, humbled himself, though he was rich, yet for our sake became poor. Christ loved us to the uttermost, that we could have his richest blessings of forgiveness, of pardon, of redemption. Let's pray.